Um, today we conclude our series that we've been on called All In, and uh, we're going to change it up a little bit than what I had originally planned to do, because life has uh, sent some challenges uh, our way in the Bolton home and the Johnson home. Some of you are aware of those, and I would like to just kind of sit down and just talk as a, as a family a little bit today. Um, I debated this week what to preach, how to preach, and I was like, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, Brian, you need to be authentic. One of the values in our church, core values of Centerpoint Christian Church, is that we want to be a place that is authentic. In other words, we want to be real. We don't want this to be a place where you put on your Sunday mask, and too much we do that, even when we try not to. We put on the Sunday mask, and we say, how's it going? Oh, it's good. How was your week? Oh, it was good. When all along, sometimes inside we're dying, inside we're walking through pain or walking through difficulties or we're walking through marriage struggles. And the church is supposed to be a place where we can be real and authentic and say things are going great and really mean things are going great. Or to say, man, things have been really tough and things are really tough and we take time to listen and care for one another. That's what the church is supposed to be, but Christianity sometimes becomes too plastic. And God kept saying, Brian, if you want your church to be that way, then you need to be that way as a preacher. And sometimes we preachers are the worst at putting on the facade. How's it going? It's going great. Some of you are going, what are you talking about? Some of you know my father-in-law. His name is Brian Michael Johnson. I refer to him as Papa Mike. Because when we had our first child, that's what they started calling him was Papa. Many of you in this room call him Papa Mike because you got to know him over the last several years. And you say, hey, that's Papa Mike. Uh, in the business world, they call him Brian. Um, but I'll refer to him as Papa Mike. He's been on a health journey the last five, six, seven years in and out of the hospital, up and down. Many of you don't know his younger life. Um, but the journey is coming to a close because this week we had to make some really hard decisions. And uh, on Thursday, Papa Mike's health directives have changed to hospice care. And the hard thing is, is... Um, Papa Mike's one of my three spiritual giants in my life. My dad was one, and we lost him about 10 years ago, a massive heart attack. Papa Mike's one, and then I have a mentor in my life. His name's Bruce, who's another spiritual giant, men of faith. And uh, a lot of people don't have that kind of relationship with a father-in-law, but we are close. And I've spent a lot of time in a hospital with him through the years, especially a lot in the last few weeks, just taking my computer and sitting next to him and helping him with whatever he needs. But this week it all changed because uh, his health's not getting better. And his wife of 48 years had to make that hard decision and say, it's time to stop trying to rescue and repair and allow his body to do what it does and let him go see Jesus because he's been walking with Jesus for a long time. And so it changes the way I wanted to preach today because some of the stuff I wanted to say is stuff he would say. And I wanted to just kind of do a little bit more sharing with you, kind of the journey that we're on. You guys know my wife. She's our worship leader. She's at the hospital with her dad today. Um, he was about 30 years old. He was not a Christian, by no means. He was of this world in every way you could imagine. He was brought here from Nebraska. He was on a construction crew. He was about 6'3", 260 pounds, your man's man, a big guy. If you see him now, you're like, wow. Big, brawly hands, strong forearms, building churches of all places. 
on a construction crew. Comes here to Kentucky to help build the Capital City Christian Church in Frankfurt. Some of you are familiar with that. He's on that construction crew. That building that he originally built no longer stands. It's hit by a tornado some years later. But he was living in the world in every way you can, and he was on his construction crew, and a lady by the name of Dolores Campbell came up to him with a little red New Testament. She was a little bit older than him, much smaller than him, put it in his chest and said, big boy, you need to read this. He said, what do I need to read? She said, I want you to turn here. And she turned to this passage in the Bible, Romans chapter 3. And she had it underlined in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This lady looked at this six, two, six foot two man that's 260 pounds who's living in the world and basically said to him, you're a sinner and you need Jesus. She said, what I want you to do is I want you to take from there and I want you to go home tonight and I want you to follow the pages that I've highlighted here for you. And she had written in that Bible, after you read that, turn to this page. And after you read that, turn to this page. And she had all the scriptures underlined. And that began his journey to know the Lord on a construction crew building a church building. Let me tell you, church, we just started construction. Have you noticed? Did you all see on your way in? Dirt's moving. And we're going to love construction workers. It's one thing we haven't got into yet. We did it on this building. We love construction workers by caring for them and feeding them and praying for them and doing everything we can. And so we're going to be asking you, church, and I hope you'll step up and say, man, I want to be part of that. Because we'll have people helping do our construction that are just like Papa Mike who don't know the Lord. But that's where his journey began. He came to know the Lord in that construction phase and his life was changed as he committed his life to Jesus and he overcame some major addictions in his life and challenges in his life because of what Jesus did. And then he now has three daughters, Brianna, my wife, who's the oldest. Heather's the middle one. She's in ministry and we're in ministry. Her daughter, Jody. And generations are changed because one man embraced Jesus and started walking in Jesus. And we've had many talks about ministry through the years. Some are great, some are disagreeable talks. Some very strong theological debates about you stand on that side and I stand on this side. But what has unified us for sure is that Jesus has come to seek and save those who are lost. And if you know Papa Mike, he would give you the shirt off of his back. He truly believed in what Jesus taught in Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus was being tested by some of the spiritual giants of the day, so to speak, and uh, wondering why he's hanging out with certain crowds of people, kind of the, the low lifes, the, the, the people who are the sinners of the world. And Jesus says, and uh, the scripture says in verse 16, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And in verse 17 it says, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so very clearly, Jesus is telling them, listen, I have come to hang out with the ones who are sinners, the ones who are cheats and liars and stealers. Matter of fact, if Jesus came and landed on this earth and walked now, I don't think he would come to our church buildings. I don't think he would say, hey, Brian, I got to set an appointment. You're one of my preachers, man. I got to sit down and talk with you. 
He'd probably be at the bar. He'd be at the home of the prostitute. He'd be there where the marriages are falling apart. He'd be at the abortion clinics caring about the ladies who are thinking about an abortion and saying, I love you. He'd be at the places where addiction's taking, being handled. He'd be finding those people. He'd be down the street hanging out with all those people and saying, hey, I've come for you. And I have seen that modeled so many times in my Papa Mike's life. So many times we go home to have dinner and somebody else shows up. We're like, who's this? Oh, I met them down here. Just recently. Just recently. One of the nurses in a hospital who he befriended, who's living here from another country by herself, he befriended her. And he said, when I get home, you're coming to my house for dinner. And we showed up and there's this young nurse because he said, you need to come have dinner with my family to share with her about Jesus. It didn't matter skin color. It didn't matter what race you're from. It didn't matter your sexual orientation as his two neighbors who were homosexual men lived next to for over 10 years. Just loved him to death. Come on over. We're grilling. Come on in. Just had an open policy that Jesus came for the sinners and that's what my job is, is to carry that message forward. Luke chapter 19. Turn your Bibles there was actually going to be my, <clears throat> my main passage of today. And so you can dig in and study it more in your growth group. Luke chapter 19, though, let me just begin in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not. Because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a, at a sinner's house. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. There's the key verse. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. A little background on this, Zacchaeus being a tax collector, he would have been known as scum of the earth. He was a cheat. Someone would come in and he would know their taxes X number of dollars and he would multiply that by two or three or four. He would give the government what their share is and he put the rest in his pocket and say, hey, the rest is for me. They don't know any difference. They don't understand tax codes. So if they owed $50, well, let's make it $200 and put that in his pocket. And tax collectors were not your friends. They were not the people who anybody wanted to hang around with. And Zacchaeus had a reputation of being one of those tax collectors that was ripping everybody off. And so he hears Jesus is coming to town, and he's short in stature, and so he's like, I can't see over the crowd, so what do I do? I climb up in a tree so I can see. And Jesus doesn't stop and talk to the priest and talk to all the Bible teachers and talk to all the ministers and all the Sunday school teachers and all the growth group leaders. He doesn't do that. He stops and he sees Zacchaeus, and he says, Zacchaeus, get out of that tree. I'm going to your house. Now, in our culture, that is so foreign. Because if I said to you, hey, I'm coming to your house today. Let's watch some football. You'd be like, uh, um, uh, the preacher's coming home. Uh, we got to clean up. Can we reschedule for next week? That was not normal. In, in our culture, it's not normal just to invite yourself to someone's house and say, I'm coming. 
In that culture, it was a very normal thing to say, I'm coming to your house. And it was like, okay, great. Well, he chose Zacchaeus. The scum of the earth. Say, I'm going to your house. I don't care about all these other religious people. I'm going to go hang out with you. And he spends the time hanging out with Zacchaeus because the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. So this week, <clears throat> as we, someone said, how, how is this? I said, it's, it's an experience I've never walked through before. And it's an emotional roller coaster. A roller coaster of joy and a roller coaster of pain. Uh, joy, because we know Papa Mike's going on to be with Jesus. And joy, sharing stories and memories. It's painful watching this, but it's like having a super sticky Band-Aid on and you're peeling it off as slow as you can. And you just want the Band-Aid to get ripped off. But it's precious as you sit there, and I watch my wife start singing hymns with her dad, and her dad kind of wakens, and they sing some hymns laying there in the bed. It's precious as friends come in, and more friends come in, and they all talk about the impact of Mike. And today there's a guy who is flying in to see him. I'm like, would someone fly in to see me when I'm on my deathbed? A young man that he worked with in sales who said, I've got to see Mike before he passes. Because Mike had a mindset that everybody had value in the eyes of Jesus. Now, if you know Papa Mike, he's a little rough character sometimes. He's not a perfect angel by no means. <laughs> you would get around him, and sometimes the language is a little colorful. Sometimes the thought life was a little colorful. Sometimes the joking is a little colorful. But the core of it, it was always, I want people to know Jesus. And he would tell me constantly, Brian, preach Jesus, preach Jesus, preach Jesus. And I used to say, what do you mean? I preach Jesus all the time. Don't stand up there and tell people how bad they are. Don't tell, stand up there and tell people about their sin. Don't stand up and tell people to stop doing this. Just introduce them to Jesus and let Jesus then change that. He said, that's what worked for me. In church, that's what we're supposed to be about. We are supposed to seek and save that which was lost. Here's my concern for the church in America. We really don't care about that. We really don't. I mean, we, we say we do, but we've gotten comfortable in America of being chair sitters. We've gotten comfortable in America of going, well, church is when I come to church and I gather some with my friends, I go to a Bible study, and all the time we're acting with people, interacting with people day in and day out, whether it be a nurse or it be a waiter or a waitress, or whether it be your coworker, or whether it be your mom or your dad or your sister or your brother, your neighbor in the back of you, the neighbor left or right, and we really don't stop to pray for them. We really don't stop to invite them over for a meal. We don't have the conversation about, do you know Jesus? It's become very evident this week that that has got to be elevated in my life and in the life of Center Point Christian Church more than what we already do. That fire, that ember needs to be fanned into a flame in this congregation. Because that's what we're here for. We are here to rescue people from an eternity in hell. That's what we're here for. We are here to point them to Jesus and help them live an eternity in heaven. And I sit by his bedside and I wonder, how do people walk through this when they don't know Jesus? I don't know how you do it. I don't know how anybody does that. And so the emotions are real, the feelings are real, the roller coaster is real. In the end, the victory is real because he'll be in heaven. But the only way to have hope is when you understand and you embrace what John 3.16 says. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he what? 
he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. In other words, you will not live eternally separated from God. You will live with God in heaven. Shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn. And he didn't come to point a finger and say, you're horrible, you're terrible. He said, I did not come to condemn. I came to save the world through him, through his son Jesus. Mike the other day, in a very lucid moment, woke up and looked at me and said, Brian, why is God waiting so long? Why is he waiting so long? I'm ready to go home and be with God, is what he said. And so I have two questions for you today, church. One, are you ready to go home and be with God? Because we don't know our time. Now, we have a precious money. See, the difference, my dad died of a heart attack. I couldn't say goodbye. Brianna's dad is passing this slow death. We've had some very precious moments to say goodbye, and it's painful in its own way, but we kind of know the time. We don't know what today brings. You don't know what tomorrow brings or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. Are you ready? Are you ready to be home with God? If your day came, Scripture is very clear. You repent, give your life to Jesus, you believe in him, you're baptized. If you haven't done that, it's time to do it. I'd love to help you on that journey. You say, I don't understand all that. I don't understand this, this thing about Jesus. He came to seek and save the lost. I don't understand him giving a son. Why did he die? Why did he need to die for me? We're about helping you in that journey. You can use that connection card and say, hey, I want to talk. I want to understand this means to walk in Jesus. Or even as we continue in worship, you can get up and just go to the back of the room and say, hey, let's, let's talk. We'll see where you're at and help you on that next step. But the other thing then is, one, is to check yourself. But two, are we going to get serious to church and really be all in about reaching the lost? We can run all kinds of programs here and do all kinds of stuff, but what it means really, where it gets really good, is when you are willing to share with your friends and your coworkers and introduce them to Jesus. Somebody once described evangelism or outreach or telling people about Jesus is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And that's what we do. We have been beggars for our salvation, and we've discovered that, and so we tell other people, here's where you find salvation. And so we started a few weeks ago when we started doing the addition, because we're making the addition to make room so we can tell more people. We started with these stakes that are around the, the base of the, the room, and as you put names of people on those construction stakes that you're praying for who need to know the love of Jesus. And you can see there's more, and there's tables in the back. They're going to be up there. You know, I'm not going to talk about it as much, but they're there. They're available, so you can just add a name, put it in a bucket. We'll add their name to the wall. But what we did this week is there's a card that's sitting around there on your chairs. I want to grab one of these cards. We went through and got all those names off of every single stake, and we put it on a card for you. Because we want to be serious about this praying thing for people. And it's too easy just to be on the wall and go, well, look at that neat little exercise, and forget about it. And so I want you to take these cards, if you will, Take it home. Maybe you put it on your refrigerator, put it on your mirror, maybe put it at your dinner table, and you just start praying very specifically for names of people. And at the very bottom on the back, it says, who are you praying for? Maybe there's somebody else in your life that you should be praying for. But people won't come to Jesus. We won't have the opportunity to share with them the answer to life. We won't be able to, be able to have those conversations without first praying for God to do the work to prepare their hearts. And showing us, and then we start praying for people. It's amazing you start praying for people. Then you start thinking about people. And then you start thinking, well, maybe I could take them out to dinner. Maybe I could befriend them. Maybe I could do this with them. Allowing God to work on their hearts so eventually the conversation about Jesus could come. And so I just ask you, church, are you 
serious about our role. The Lord's one that told us that it's our job to go into all the world to preach and to teach and to baptize. That's the church's job. It's our role to seek and save those who are lost. It's our role to help people who are sick, spiritually sick, don't know, seriously sick, that do not know the Lord, to help them come to know the Lord. And it starts with us just praying over people. So I'd encourage you to take one of these with you and pray that those who are lost would come to know Jesus because it's kind of an all-or-nothing proposition. People can't have just one foot here and one foot there. It's all or nothing. You either choose Jesus or you don't choose Jesus. And we as a church cannot operate with one foot in the world or one foot in the kingdom work. It's got to be all or nothing. I'm 100% I'm committed to kingdom work or I'm not. And it changes the mindset and how you walk in this life. If you're a school teacher, you could think, well, I'm a school teacher and that's my life's work. Or you could say, no, my life's work is I'm a kingdom worker for God's kingdom and I get to be a school teacher for my income. Do you understand the difference in the mindset? If you are a computer programmer, you could say, well, I'm a computer programmer and that's what I do. Or you could say, no, I'm a Christian, I'm a kingdom worker, and I get the blessing of being a kingdom, a, a computer programmer to make an income to pay for the, my expenses that are here on earth. Which mindset are we going to walk in? Our mindset must change to say I'm a kingdom worker and everything else is secondary and they support what I do as a kingdom worker. And it begins by us saying, let's pray for people so they will come to know the love of the Father. I want to ask you to do me a favor and get on your knees with me. Grab a card. I know some are not able to because of health, and I understand that, but if you're able to, would you get on your knees with me? And let's pray specifically. You say, why do we get on our knees? You get on your knees out of a sign of respect and submission. It's a sign of respect and submission to our Lord. So we just want to get on our knees. I want to ask you to look at that card that's before you and get a few names in your head. Maybe even think of some other people. Father God, we bow before you this morning out of submission, out of respect, out of honoring to you to know, Lord, that you are our Savior that you came to seek and save that which was lost, and we bow, Lord, because you've saved us. Father, we bow on behalf of other people who need to know the love of the Father. And so, Lord, we want to pray specifically for some of these names. Lord, we lift up Grandpa John and Patrick and Corey and Camry. Father, we lift, lift up Edwin and Bob and Tommy and Jessica and Landon. Lord, there's a few hundred names on this list. We put them at your feet, Father. These are people, Lord, that are somehow known through the body of Centerpoint. Maybe a mom or a dad, maybe a friend, maybe a co-worker, maybe a neighbor. Lord, we pray for them that they would know how much God loves them. We would pray, Lord, that they would surrender to God in their life, that they would trust God as their Savior, that they would put their trust in God and in Jesus. Father, we pray that we as a church would be all about our business that you have given us, that we would realize our, 
Our role is to go to the sick and the hurting. Our role is to rescue those who are without Jesus. Our role is to seek and save those who are lost and introduce them to Christ. Father, give us a burning passion. Break our hearts, Father, for people who don't know Christ. Break our hearts that takes us to our knees in prayer for people who are not walking with Christ. I want to ask you just in the quiet of this room to pray for a few people that come to your mind right now. Lord, quite possibly in this room, there could be somebody that hasn't surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Today could be their day that they accept the message of salvation. I pray if that person's in this room, you would move in their heart and mind that when we move into our time of worship and communion, they'd be bold and move to the back of the room and say, today's my day. Or today's my day at least to begin the conversations and understand who Jesus is. I want to ask you to stand with me as we continue in our worship. Father, we honor you and we praise you. And Lord, we receive communion. And as we receive communion, we're reminded of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And Father, we say thank you. Thank you for Jesus that you sacrificed your son on the cross to rescue us from our sin and to make Make it possible for us to be in heaven, to have the hope of heaven. And so, Father, we honor you and we praise you during this time as we worship and as we receive this time of communion. We honor Jesus, our Savior. It's in his Son's name we pray. Amen.